recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. This is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm Anthony. And I'm David. I'm Jim. And I'm Kurt Stapp. And welcome to issue number 16 of the Crimson Cowl Comic Book Club podcast. Last week, due to some low attendance, we decided to suspend our uh, ongoing discussion of Avengers No Surrender. So we're going to do two issues uh, for this week. Ooh, a twofer. There we go. Uh, For anybody uh, new to the show, in the first half of the show, we talk spoilers for the club picks. And at the back half, we talk about uh, non-spoilers as we go around the table, talk about books that we've been reading, as well as tapping it off with some news related to comic books in the industry. So we're going to jump right into the spoiler section with Avengers number 680. Wonder Man and Beast team up in a desperate attempt to save Jarvis while the Avengers reel from the crushing loss of one of their own. And again, this was last week's uh, issue. Yep, yep. Uh, but uh, catching up, or, well, I, for, for me it was this week's also because <laughs> I didn't get a chance to read it last week. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're picking up. Uh, right after Rogue has been given the news that Johnny Storm seems to have died, you know, when uh, when touching the the pyramid that he got in that that match of this uh, game that's going on in in, in this uh, series, um, and she's she's kind of reflecting. You get a little bit more of like her thoughts on it and, and a hint that they had a, a closer relationship. Um, that I think was an unfamiliar thing to to us because we hadn't been keeping up on Uncanny, Uncanny Avengers, <laughs> which is where I'm assuming that played out. Um, and you see uh, um, Voyager pop back Ooh. up. No, 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 no. I was going to say, the this, is, this is where I have to kind of jump forward and kind of think because now I just read two issues back. It was back, in the next one. And I have to remember, so going into the next one, we kind of get into yeah. Right. We'll okay. Get into that in the next get week. get a little bit uh, more into the the uh, adventures of Voyager. So there's there's a lot of discussion and okay, what do we do? You know, let, let's give Rogue a moment because she's clearly shaken by this news. Um, but uh, rather than take a moment, she wants to get going. She, you know, they two more of these pure. Pyramoids have have appeared, and she's ready to get right back into it. And uh, um, the line's great. Okay, Avengers, let's live up to the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's done talking. <laughs> Time for action. Um, and then we flip to, flip over, and we go back to the uh, the other team of Avengers, um, and. Um, they're they're kind of reeling from that same news and, and talking about uh, uh, the loss of Johnny Storm. They're the auxiliary group that's back in the age. Oh yeah, that, that's yeah, right. Because right. there's actually, I guess, there's three groups currently. Because right. there's two out in the field, uh, split up in locations, right. and then you get the uh, support group. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it. it kind of jumps back and forth between uh, a few of them. So 
you know, the uh, the auxiliary headquarters, the support group is discussing the loss of Johnny Storm. You go to Peru, where you've got the other team with uh, with Falcon and uh, Red Hulk and the other people in there. They're discussing it as well, and then um, Red Hulk gets taken out of the out of the game for a while. He's uh, having some some issues with his ability to Hulk out. Um, so he's taken out of the game, uh, but he's replaced uh, by by three other members who had been um, the uh, the support group. Um, so now that they've got a few more other people to uh, to continue going with things, um, and then they're joined by one more member who had been one of the frozen members. Um, because if we remember back to the beginning. Um, it starts off with, you know, a, a very large group of Avengers, but some of them are mysteriously frozen. And we found out that, uh, there's a certain, there seems to be a certain number and they kind of go back to that as they're figuring out that that's what's going on, that there's intended to be a certain number of Avengers, um, on the board, on the board. and, as some are taken out, they're replaced by others, and uh, and if you somehow manage to unfreeze one of the frozen ones, then you lose one of the members that are are already active. So they're joined by Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp, giving us two Wasps in the story. Um, then we uh, then we get over to, well, I guess kind of a fourth group, uh, which is. Beast and the younger Wasp, um, who are trying to deal with uh, Jarvis and try to figure out what's going on with him. Um, he kind of talked about that Avengers fever. Um, the theory was that he had uh, um, brought back a little bit of this and a little bit of that with all the Avengers' various uh, adventures over the years that he's been exposed to small amounts of various radiations and alien things and and that over time this has accumulated and it's causing these problems. So and it's that very same Avengers fever that you slowly are trying yeah, to I'm, recoup I'm getting, from yourself. I'm so. getting over it a little bit. Uh, the voice is getting a little stronger. <coughs> not, not, not quite there yet. Uh, do you think that when we see, like, kind of hopefully Jarvis will wake up, maybe that'll be the week that you're back in action too? That might is be. There maybe, a connection? maybe there's a direct correlation yeah. to this. Are um, you part of this or the writing team? I know there's a lot of writers, but... <laughs> I didn't happen to notice your name on there, but... Inspiration. <laughs> no, and of course, you know, this is also the page where it dawned on me that uh, suddenly Beast has his hair back. Because <laughs> uh, they've been going with that bald-headed Beast look for a yeah. while now, and now I kind of want to go back and look at the last one or whatever and see if, if, if it had already switched back and I hadn't realized it. But here I'm like, wait a minute, we got this classic beast with a full head of hair. As I had mentioned, while this series does take three of the Avengers team writers, uh, they switch off artists like every three or four issues. Um, so yeah, we kind of, assuming it's, you know, a different artist comes in, be like, no, this is how I draw beast and everyone else. Or Beast or, has hair, and so now one of the other Avengers is lost there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, so. Or it's just a two for the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe they were trying to go back to the look that he had because uh, they're, they're reuniting Wonder Man with Beast um, on this, on this page. 
And, uh, you know, maybe they were trying to give Beast more of the classic look so that when they brought them back together, you really got that full Wonder Man Beast together <laughs> again. That way Simon <laughs> wouldn't be confused on who he was. And... <laughs> um, yeah, so so Wonder Man goes um, to just touch base with, with Beast and Wasp and let them know they need to be taking care of Jarvis. They need to, they need to have people... Because you know, Beast is ready to jump into yeah. action, especially after finding the news of uh, Johnny Storm's apparent demise. He's ready to get out there and start fighting. Uh, Simon is letting him know that, no, he needs to stay here. Because not only do they need to be out there in the field, they need to be also doing things like this where they're trying to save their loved ones. And in doing this, um, they they get this idea to use Wonder Man in... In a, in a, a ability that he didn't know he had after all this time, that he can detect radiation and, and pull on it. Um, so thinking that that's the problem with Jarvis, they get him to try and sense the radiation and, and learn to pull it out, and they, they want to get him to pull out this radiation from Jarvis, but he finds that there is no radiation. Their theory is wrong. Uh, so something else is going on with Jarvis, and we still don't know what, which uh, is not good news. They thought they were onto something, and now they're they're back to square one. Then we go to the Antarctic, which is uh, um, where one of these new two pyramids have popped up, and uh, we've got uh, um, trying to think of his name, Corvus. Mm. Yeah, Corvus Glaive. Yeah, and he's he's the leader of uh, um, the Black Order. Yeah, the, like, I, yeah, I gotta keep all I my, know, group, there are so all many my groups, groups and everything straight. <laughs> and uh, um, and as as they're there, all of a sudden, Rogue and her team of Avengers are flying into action, and they they don't even you know give give this other team a chance to. To react, they're just they go right for blood. Rogue is attacking Corvus as they're battling it out. She takes off her glove and she touches Corvus. And this was surprising, you know, because I didn't until I was reading, I didn't realize just how much contact she made. And you know, it's comic book, so they can reverse this, but it appears that Rogue actually um, touched him for long enough that she killed him. So she's absorbed his his powers. She starts to get uh, that cracked skin look and the eyes and and everything that she's got. She now has his memories. So she, in, they're aliens, so they're kind of broken memories. But it gives her enough that she now knows what's going on. And throughout this, you know, we're we're finding that all these these different teams are slowly figuring out what's going on. Um, as far as the game, they're they're getting to the bottom of it slowly. You know, uh, what is this? Uh, yeah, six six issues into the story, the Avengers are finally figuring Catching out <laughs> what what's actually going on here. Um, so she's got uh, Corvus's powers and memories. He's apparently dead. Um, they're fighting. The Avengers are no longer holding back. And uh, I'm trying to think if I'm really missing any main uh, main points in here. Really, it's just an all out battle. A lot of a uh, lot of action, a lot of fighting going on, which has been the case for most of the series so far. 
Um, well, and you, one of the neat things I think in this issue is you see Rogue finally resolve some of her struggles with being a leader. She's throughout Uncanny um, Avengers, and then into this book, Rogue has sometimes doubted her leadership. Is she the one to lead? And she suddenly realizes, I just have to lead the way I am, which is wham. <laughs> yeah. Head first, follow her gut. Um, yeah, she, she leads more by instinct. You know, she's... Leads from the front. She's, she's disgusted. You know, she's not, uh, she's not a big talker. She's not into politics. She, she goes in and does what she feels she needs to do. Right. So that was kind of a neat aspect of this book. And, uh, you know, we kind of get to the end and they're still, um, they're still having the, the battle, but then we kind of switch over to Nevada and we get this dialogue in, in green text boxes, um, where somebody's saying, help me, you know, I'm, I'm still down here and, um, about he won't die but if he can't you know and most of us know where they're going, going. with this um yeah all, all you see from this ass. person is the the teeth yep. you know because uh clearly his teeth are so bright shiny white that, and, uh, big. And, 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 and big that they pop out of the darkness um <laughs> you know uh but uh, that's that's where it Ends up, so it's continued in seven days. Actually, there there is one last little little bit well at the end here, which uh, Jim pointed out to me the other day. We were discussing um, we were discussing Wolverine, the original Wolverine, his whereabouts, what's going on in comics. So um, you think you're done with the, the the book, but you flip to the the last page, and it just says Peru, which is where the other pyramid pops up and where Falcon and his group are heading towards. They had, um, been. Um, they had been in Peru. Was it Peru that they were yeah, in? They and they were leaving so, yeah. Peru. They're leaving Peru. That's what it is. Okay. And they're taking a Quinjet because they got to get to their next destination, the slow way. Um, but uh, yeah, it says Peru. You see the Quinjet leaving. And as you, you know, kind of pan down and, get a close-up of, of the city where they're leaving, you see one of these frozen Avengers, um, and you get closer and you realize it's Wolverine. And he's just standing there frozen. So if you've been wondering about Wolverine's uh, location, where he's been at right now, he's frozen in Peru. As well as he's been showing up in the last pages of many other Marvel books for his post-credit scenes, as they're calling them. As right. They're yeah, and um, and that that's how the discussion came up when I was talking with Jim. Um, I think we we were talking about where he's been since uh, since he reappeared in Legacy, right. and I haven't read a good number of the books that he has, but I'm aware that he's been on some of these, you know, last page appearance things, and uh, so. There's one in Avengers No Surrender number six, if you're following along with six, oh, yeah. Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, 680, but part six of the No Surrender yeah. story. And while that comic tells you to be, you know, to be continued in seven days or in just seven seconds, because we're talking about this week's release of Avengers number 681. 
Uh, of course, we know the answers to all this, but who is Voyager? Valerie Vector, the forgotten founding Avenger, tells all, and a fan-favorite <laughs> Avenger returns to the fold as the stakes in the battle for Earth become clear. Yeah, now this is, uh, this is a really good issue for new readers who are unfamiliar with Voyager because they, 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 they give a good recap of her origin. Yeah, and we've seen it, you know, many different times. Every time a new creative team comes on, they'll always kind of do a reiteration of a character's origin. We've seen it drawn differently or from a different angle, and this is another one of those. So it's probably like the 50th time we've visited Voyager's origin in the and past. And they, they, they stick pretty close to her original origin. Yeah, yeah, they don't try to, like, you know, rebirth it, yeah. if you will. It's, it's almost like you're seeing her origin the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, this issue is, uh, I think it's mostly in narration from uh, Galari, I think, if that's how you pronounce it, um, who is one of the uh, players in the, uh, the Lethal Legion group that's battling against the Black Order. He's kind of this, uh, what, Nova-looking type of... Well, he's a Kree yeah, warrior. He, yeah, okay, so Kree armada. Basically, the name he's like he's Captain Glory, <laughs> you know. It works the same way as the original Captain Marvel. It was Captain Marvel, and he is Captain Glory. So, Captain Glory. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's him kind of uh, just talking about his side of things as he's trying to get his team assembled. As once again going after this uh, pyramids here, and we're. You know, continuing on with the action uh, with all the groups uh, between the the Black Order and the Avengers, and uh, we see uh, a lot more from uh, Metal Master in this one here. Yeah, I I actually um, <clears throat> I like how they like kind of take him out immediately because we saw that he was able to control Mjolnir, um, you know, with within yeah, a yeah. couple issues ago. We should say hi to Katie. Hi, hi Katie. Katie. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's good to be here. Um, so it was funny to see that Thor, her first action as she gets to the battlefield is to, like, knock him out with, <laughs> with the hammer. Yeah, and it was kind of cool just seeing him using some of his powers and uh, talking about capturing the pyramids as you see him kind of, you know, just kind of messing with it, and that's when Wanda steps into... Uh, pretty much take him out there right because he gets this idea that well he could just use metal you know and, and build a structure around the pyramid so he might not be able to get to it first but nobody else will be able to get to it either and uh what you had talked about with the last issue we uh, revisit rogue and antarctica as they're standing over the body of uh corvus clave there as uh you had mentioned the taking the powers and and that's being addressed when Voyager is kind of talking about her appearance there, and Rogue is saying how much she's learned about that, and saying that it's a it's an actual game that they're all living right. in right now. Yeah, and and the fact that she killed Corvus is is addressed here again, but it kind of surprises me because it's like this known thing. Okay, Avengers don't kill. It's been a big thing um, before. It was. As a big part of the Hawkeye uh, Mockingbird divorce thing came over uh, Mockingbird having killed somebody. And um, so now Rogue has apparently killed somebody in this battle. And, you know, she, no, nobody really makes <laughs> any big deal of this whatsoever. 
And uh, yeah, we continue on. They uh, talking about being pawns, and they they mention one of the other pyramids that uh, are sitting out there, and she uh, sends lightning over. As we... In the um, the scene with the uh, the metal master, they realize that the grand master is now behind this. They first catch on to that. Yeah, because uh, and I forget who's talking. One of one of these Wanda, other teams are talking, and uh, yeah, Scarlet Witch hears it and catches the name. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that's what kind of tips him off, and then there's a little bit of dialogue yeah, she catches explaining it from the metal master. And... <clears throat> so yeah, metal masters, you know, kind of talking about what's going on a little bit. And uh, yeah, so it was the last time we saw lightning going for one. That was you know when everyone was racing towards it and Johnny and all that. So he's he's sent uh, chasing once again. Um, and then yeah, something that we've well, and this time he's again too slow. <laughs> um. Yeah, and we're uh, dealt with this a couple issues back, too, about uh, Voyager just kind of, you know, talking about one of her main powers being, you know, teleportation and bringing groups of people, and she's dealing with uh, not being able to to bring everybody there and uh, being drained of her power and needing to recharge and kind of puts her on the, the sidelines there for a little bit. Yeah, we return back to the auxiliary headquarters there. Uh They've now been joined by Red Hulk, who can't Hulk out right now, so he's So he's kind of on the sidelines. (laughs) Yeah, and this, oh yeah, okay, and then this, as they're uh, discussing, as Voyager's kind of depowered down, and uh, she's now kind of remembering, our way to go into her origin story is kind of remembering, you know, her father dealing with this kind of stuff with uh, basically how she was created, and it cuts right into... Um, a young Valerie, as uh, she's witnessing her parents um, talking about having a divorce. Her mom wants a divorce from the father. As uh, young Valerie is listening on, uh, gets upset, as one could imagine, as a young child hearing news about that, and kind of runs into uh, the experiment that or the project he's been working on. Um, just trying to think if there's some technical terms to... Quantum entanglement. Okay, yes. yeah, there... And, uh, yeah, so that leads her to kind of, like, run right into that, and we see her, you know, basically that's the origin of her getting her power Feels like there. the first time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. And, and you learn that she had white hair before she even got her powers. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so as, as we do kind of have that moment of uh, reflecting back, uh, apparently that was enough time for her to you know charge up you know the battery's full yeah all it took was a little reminiscing (laughs) yeah yeah just a little flashback will do wonders for you um yeah so then we jump back in and uh not familiar with some of these characters here yeah it's like that's robert costa i think or is this one of the no no that well it is uh at this point we're we're at um sunspot and i'm trying to think of it's like uh Trying to think of the name of this character because it's it's kind of like the cross between Menticle. Uh, yeah, Menticle, because she's yep. got tentacles. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, they the they got all creative. Menticle and she's not the, she, the she's got mind way. control powers and tentacles for legs, so menticle. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and she's trying to trying to totally erase his mind. Bring him back to that narration, uh, for the Lethal Legion side there is uh the battle is continuing on. Uh, just lots of action going on back and forth here. And 
the synapse, right? Is that who that is there? Yes. Well, first of all, Falcon saves DaCosta from Menticle because Menticle's too busy paying attention to Sunspot to see yes. Falcon flap and kick him in the face. Yeah. Captain Glory's, uh, <laughs> you know, internal narration uh, explains that uh, Menticle is only able to focus on one opponent rather than what's going on on the battlefield. Well, he was too busy with one foe to monitor the rest. <laughs> So yeah, then yeah. we get the showdown between Synapse and yeah. Captain Glory. In fact, it's uh, Captain Glory does a lot of uh, the narration of this this issue. But yeah, once again, as they're going through, it's all basically going down to that uh, other pyramid as all the other characters are kind of interacting. Everyone's fighting for it, and uh, it seems like every time, you know, it's not just a clean-cut path to the pyramid that uh, they always seems to always come in a dramatic conclusion here as you uh, got the characters coming in and uh, well this, this one was kind of funny because you didn't have like the, the first couple pyramids you had people fighting over each other just volunteering to go touch this thing and in this case you've got somebody who doesn't want to they're afraid of it and so Mendicle <laughs> makes them go. You yeah. will get <laughs> So they take and like, uh, and get, I guess telekinetically yeah. or, or whatever, use Telepathically, yeah, he takes over. And, and this is one of those brothers, right? Right. And they're kind of useless without each other. So it's surprising that you would try to sacrifice one of them because then you're kind of losing two of your players. Um, but yeah, one of, the, one of these brothers, they're... Forcing you know telekinetically to like go towards and uh, touch the pyramid. Yeah, um, Captain Glory says, but by count, we'll still outnumber them by one. One we can certainly afford to lose. <laughs> and just as he's about to reach that, we uh, see the next panel of some uh, arrows coming in, and uh, it's probably pretty clear not only because it's an arrow, but the color scheme of the arrow. Uh, flying into the scene, explosion, everyone kind of reacting as we see uh, Hawkeye, and then one of the, uh, what the, uh, of, what's the, uh, his series again? Alpha Flight? Is that supposed to be or what? Shaman? Or? No, no, that's uh, that is, from oh, the yeah, Occupy what, Avengers. Yeah, Occupy Avengers, yeah. that's right, one of the Occupy uh, Avengers. Yeah. Red, so Dog, like Red, Red Wolf, Red Red Wolf, Wolf something, yeah, something like that. So Red Wolf, yes. uh, Hawkeye, who uh, hasn't been, uh, was he one of the Frozen ones, I assume, or was he just not even <laughs> in? No, I. they were, they were Frozen. Okay, because, yeah, because they were in the beginning, like that very first issue, but... We haven't seen anything yeah, since. Yeah, they, they uh, were amongst the Frozen ones, and then they just kind of show up, and I don't know where they came from or why I'm sure they are now, now back in. I'm sure we'll probably find out in seven days, hopefully. But, um, but yeah, they kind of come in out of uh, nowhere there to kind of disrupt that as uh, basically it puts a cap on that scene as we cut once a back you know, against uh, those green text boxes here. As we may be getting a closer clue on who might be speaking, I know we've all been so <laughs> yeah, ex curious. Ex ex except, you know, one, one thing I just um, noticed here is in the last issue, weren't we in Nevada? Nevada. Now we are in Arizona. Arizona. Oh, in Arizona. Oh. How did that happen? Yes. Doug from Arizona. <laughs> are we getting <laughs> multiple? Maybe, yeah, maybe he's uh, tun tun tunneling <laughs> across country under, underground. 
Because, yeah, last, last issue is the end. Bus tickets or something. Where we had that thing in Nevada. Now we have the same you just mm, the two. character and the same green text boxes, <laughs> and we're in Arizona. And you actually see the green fingers coming through the ground. So, no big surprise. Especially on the last page when they show him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we kept it's seeing... 684. Well, <laughs> I, well, that's two issues away, so... Yeah, part... Uh, yeah, they keep saying, you know, part 10 is when he's on... That they keep advertising in all the prior books and everything. But, yeah, we're getting closer to that moment, and I'm assuming an event well, that's kind of... It is the spoiler a section, so if you don't know at this point that the Hulk is coming back. Yeah, yeah. The the immortal Hulk. Something that they you know put out like two months ago on social media and stuff. So it's been out there, but right. But yeah, we're getting getting a little closer, and uh, based on next week's issue, there as we see uh, the cover uh, with our characters who ended this issue. So hopefully, we'll be getting those answers there. But uh, if the cover is any indication, they will be a little bit more prominent next issue. So yeah, I think that uh, any other thoughts before we uh, move on from Avengers No Surrender? Any? I was just a little curious that now that we saw, um, suddenly saw um, Wolverine frozen at the end of the last issue, and then Hawkeye appeared in this issue, Wolverine was in Peru. Why was he frozen in Peru when they didn't know anything was happening until the beginning? If he f- went to Peru on his own, got frozen, and that unfroze Hawkeye to come... And help them out in this issue. Yeah. That we don't know. I guess we have to That's wait. That's something uh, I'm looking forward to find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, one th- other thing that I noticed, and I forget if it was in uh, 680 or 681 words mentioned, and they're talking about these two new pyramids that have popped up. Um, I want to think what her name is. Tony, right? From uh, mm, yeah, purple hair. U.S. Avengers with the purple hair. <clears throat> um, when she's armored up, she goes by... Uh, Iron Patriot or something like mm. that. Yeah, um, she's talking about the pyramids, and you know, kind of a whisper. She mentions um, water and air. She's talking about what they're doing. Each one of these pyramids seem to have like she's different effects on the environment and stuff like catching that. Catching on to that, and yes. I think she's catching on that they're kind of elemental related. So one of them um, seems to be air based, and the other is water based. So it kind of makes you want to go back and look at the other pyramids and think, okay, what were they doing? Was there a fire there was, on Earth? And, there was, yeah. And, that's, yeah. Um, and you're putting it together and thinking, okay, well. It was fire and Earth and then air and water. water. And so pyramids? how many are there elements <laughs> are we dealing with? So how many pyramids are there going to be? Because they realize that, or they find that from the plan, once the game is over, the Earth, the, the game board will be tossed in the trash. <laughs> okay, and as uh, Avengers No Surrender is one of the club picks over on the DC side, uh, we've been talking about the Doomsday Clock uh, event here at the club, as well as the almost ending Dark Knights uh, medal. And last week we had the Dark Knights Rising the Wild Hunt one-shot, which is the Dark Knights ride through the farthest reaches of the multiverse to track down the unlikeliest of teams, the Flash, Cyborg, Raven, and Detective Chimp. The mission, (laughs) keep these heroes from uh, completing their desperate quest to save all of existence. 
detective uh, chimp. Yeah, he puts the DC in the DC, DC comics. That's right. And Kirk they Stan even is... had that in a couple of reviews of this book. I am the dubious. You're the expert on Dark Knight. You're our detective chimp of the metal. <laughs> yes, of the metal series, and like much of metal, it is both. It's it's neat to see the action. It's neat to see the artwork, but sometimes you're just wondering what. <laughs> and I have to say, I felt that way again as I was reading it. Though I love the beginning, I love the ending of this particular book. It starts out with the origin story of Detective Chimp, which is really <laughs> cool. Um, he's in the circus, and his, uh, his uh, keeper, who gets beat up by people, lets him out, and he finds basically the fountain of youth, which gives mm. him eternal life and his... Incredible intellect. There's a dog there who's already got super intellect who kind of guides him through all this. At first, it looks like he's like in a swamp, like Swamp Thing was in. So I wonder if that's something. You got my attention. <laughs> it appeared that he was rescued from a crocodile by Swamp Thing. Yeah, oh. by Swamp Thing. So, oh, well, there we go. so you don't know if his intelligence actually boy. comes from the Fountain of Youth oh, or yeah. the Swamp, which also has a way of. Uh, but he gains super intelligence. He goes back to the circus and makes his way there for a little bit. But he steals his neat detective hat and off he goes to be a detective chimp. And so he will play a part in this uh, wondrous adventure. Um, then we get a quick cut over to see all the dark Batmen just in kind of a passing picture. They're all empty music, it says. And they show us this big flash of all the dark Batmen standing around. Um, and then we shift again. This time we are um, in a uh, laboratory in, at, on Blackhawk Island. Um, Detective Chimp is trying to find out, uh, along with others, where is the Hall of Heroes at the center of the multiverse? Because they have an idea of being able to stop all this if they can get to the center of the multiverse. Um, the problem is Detective Chimp is starting to devolve. Um, we don't know exactly why, but whether it's the dark universe breaking in or what, but he's starting to devolve some. He has to, he can't remember um, who said the unexamined life is not worth living, and then one of the other characters who's there with him, um, uh, Doctor Morrow, the creator of the Ivo Robot. T T O T O Morrow is here, and so is Will Magnus. The metal man creator, uh, the, all these professors are there trying to figure out how can we stop him. And they're hoping that by getting to the middle of the... Dr. Uh, Savannah? Yep, Dr. Savannah. And there's one other, too. I'm trying to remember who it was. Oh, Tia Ivo. Dr. Ivo is, is also there. So they're all trying to brainstorm about what can we do. If we get them to the center of the universe, we can um, stop all this. Um, they also realize that the dark verse breaking in is starting to break down all the laws of physics. Now water boils at 106 degrees uh, rather than what it used to. So now they're all trying to figure this out. And they're, they're, um, they're, they're feeding information to those who are on their way to the middle of the universe. This is Flash, Raven, Cyborg are all on um, the, uh, the Ultima... Ultima Thull. Um, a, and there are so many things here that are from earlier DC Universe things. If you 
not like an expert. I had to look up half of them. What is the Ultima Thal? Well, it was introduced at the end of um, Infinite Crisis. Um, it's a ship that can change its harmonics so that it can move between the multiverses. Um, by it's almost a living music machine. So they're using this to tra traverse uh, multiverses and get to the center of the, um, the multiverse. But following them is the Wild Hunt. Um, the, uh, the, it looks like just about the whole team of um, Darkverse Dark Batmans are in here, which is... Somebody pointed out in one of the reviews of this, that's weird, because we just had them at the end of five, um, fighting, well, some of them fighting against... In, in different groups. In different groups, and now they're suddenly here. Um, and how does that... How far is this after five? And, and, and where are they going to be, <laughs> be at the beginning the, of The beginning next. of six, you know, there's kind of a, a weird sort of, here they are suddenly. So they're all chasing um, the Thule ship, um, trying to catch up. Firing bombs at it as they go. Uh, the heroes on the Thule ship suddenly get the idea, well, somehow we have to try to stop them. We can't outrun them. Their ships are run by, like, tiny universes um, collapsed down and held together and are powering the ship. So they're faster than the Thule ship can be. So they get the idea that um, they'll open up a doorway and... Have they been opening up doorways all along? I, you know, I'm not sure how they're doing it. But they open a doorway, Flash races out over to the Thule ship, uh, or to the chasing ships, while some of the dark Batman come through and attack the Thule ship at the same time. So there's kind of this switch that goes on. Um, so we get Raven taking on uh, the Green Lantern Batman, whose name I can't remember right now. Um, and she manages to take over some of his constructs and send them back at him. So she's holding them off while Flash races over to their ship. He's going to um, break down the um, containment unit on the planet. So the whole thing will go poof. Um, so he runs into the merciless Batman um, who he says, you're just way too slow. <laughs> um, and finishes him up. But then the um, Red Death Batman shows up. Um, but by then, uh, Barry Allen has managed to open up the, the containment and the, um, the planetary energy that's from a positive multiverse hits Red Death and he becomes, he's freed from Bruce Wayne being the primary um, person running into Barry Allen now is. So um, he knows everything's been going wrong and he agrees to stay and hold him off while Barry gets back to the Thule ship. Our Barry gets back to the Thule ship. He'll hold him off and be, you know, end his life as a hero. Um, and so he thinks that he's got it all together, but the dark Batman shows back up and says, you've just been a tool. I knew you were going to turn on us at some point with Barry Allen in there, and we just used you to fool them because we've been firing dark mini planetary uh, things into the Thule ship. So when they get to the center of the universe, those will all collapse and create. At least that's how I interpreted it. This part got to be really kind of, you're going, huh? <laughs> what? How's this working? So that seemed to be the process of what's going on. Back at the lab, suddenly Red Tornado's energy they're using to open up 
uh, gateway to the middle of the universe um, suddenly realizes, uh-oh, they're going to just let all the dark universe through the gateway. Because um, they were hoping instead to, it seems, drive the, the light universe energy to the center of the universe. Now everything's going to be coming out dark energy, so he quickly tries to close down um, the gateway, but he's too late. He knows he's not going to be able to do this. And um, just to give you, this is kind of the recap of where they're at then. He tells them, the challengers, we were headed on the divine, we were headed on the divine frequency to the house of heroes, but we opened the door to Barbados to the dark. We were poisoned, aimed at the heart of hope. We turned back, we came home, closed the door as fast as we could. Um, evil exists. We underestimated the power, the scale, and reach of our adversary. We carried it home with us. They planned to inject a fatal dart into the heart of the multiverse and watch it die. Um, a trap we've all been used. They've been herded. The first sign that the end has arrived will be a word, a final plea that goes unanswered. It will be awakened to, will, I will be awakened to witness it. One single word, help. And then from the back, we hear, um, Detective Chimp say, um, please, can somebody help me? And because uh, he's further devolving at this point and he needs, and, and then Red Tornado says, the word is delivered. Um, so it looks like everything's coming apart. But then we get the one hope. Um, suddenly, uh, well, first we get kind of everybody knowing that. Uh, they can't stop this now. Flash, Raven, everybody on the Thule ship is um, is just, you know, we've lost it. We're never going. But then they suddenly have, and of course the Dark Batman are bloating. This is it. We have it all together. Um, but somehow, um, it looks like they're not heading toward the Hall of Heroes. Uh, let's see. Trying to find this is where again I get confused. They're suddenly heading toward this big planetoid. Um, you're not sure what it is. They crash into it in the Thule ship. Um, all the professors are something bad is really happening. The every you know uh, Detective Chimp says the end of everything. Too big, too big. Um, and the the professors all start to say, Oh well, it's been good knowing you. <laughs> this is the end of the universe. And then. Um, Suddenly, Detective Chinch goes, what's happening to me? Ah, and he kind of gets teleported away. Um, we hear, Bobo, Bobo, hear me. What, where, in your mind, Bobo, it's us. Stubbs, who is a character I'm not real familiar with. I do remember him in DC continuity back. He's another hyper-intelligent chimp. Um, and uh, so Detective Chinch says, what's happening? Where is this? We super chimps got to stick together till the end, Bobo says. And you find out there's a 53rd planet in the multiverse, and we have a series of super apes. So <laughs> dark, they, so dark chimps metal coming out yeah, this summer. They say, the 53rd one is the planet of the apes. And they say, <laughs> we got this fixed back in 2067. The 53rd world is here to help. So, ready to save the universe, Bobo? <laughs> <laughs> so I I love the ending. I love the ending. Yeah. I love the beginning. Who will save the multiverse? The super apes. All right. 
I like this. <laughs> now, it would be very interesting going into the final chapter, uh, issue six, and I don't think there's any other weird one-shots or tie-ins, but if someone were to just read issue six, I'm going to assume there's going to be some missing things if they haven't read that. Yeah, I well, and I hope but, like, the, the Super Chimps really do have some real thing. Because I think that would be great. And <laughs> anyone who only reads one through six <laughs> is going to have problems. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there was a lot of action. It was fun with with Detective Chimp. And the, the professors were funny, too. They were always arguing with each other. And, um, but there was a lot, at least for me, and... It was confusing in lots of places. Very too. confusing, oh, and there were so many. There's just an opportunity to fill in so many of the questions that they brought up throughout this. That they kind of threw this basically a side story. And I, I went out on the web and really tried to find some answers to some of the stuff I had too. I read some some reviews of the book and some other stuff. And one person made the point in his spoiler section: Well, how can Red Death die here? while he's fighting Aquaman and um, Deathstroke down in Atlantis. Yes. What's going on? The whole time table is off. <laughs> <laughs> Only time will tell, I guess, uh, as the series is about to wrap up. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad it's about to wrap up. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going into the sixth issue of Metal, and it feels like it's been going on for an eternity. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to believe that this is only six. Mm. Well, and it's just, it, the continuity is so hard to follow sometimes. I mean, uh, we were talking about, it before we started the club today, that it seems sometimes that we sacrifice a really followable story for lots of action. And, yeah. and gimmicks. Know, and gimmicks yeah. that are going on. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that's fair, but that's a little bit how I feel. I mean, I'm... I'm a little lost in this story. And I've read all the times. And I'd be a lot of lost if it wasn't for the club. So. Well, I think we'll uh, end the spoiler section right there on that note. Yes. Metal's over for at least another week here. It's been eight months since wow. the, the start of The Forge. Yeah. Welcome to the non-spoilers section in which we go around the table and talk about the favorite books that we've been reading the last week or two in a non-spoiler fashion. So if you haven't checked them out, this is a nice little uh, customer reader uh, review to kind of get you in and get you on. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, $7.95, I'm not going to say much about these at all other than to say this introduces one of the most interesting villains that have come up in the Marvel Universe. Yes. Um, think about who would be the worst two villains to combine into one and get a really crazy, dangerous villain. You will find it in these books. And seeing it's Spider-Man, you can start guessing who it might be. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been enjoying this. Uh, uh, we're going to kick it off then, too, with uh, Doctor Strange Damnation, number one of Four, including some tie-ins as we go on here, but uh, this is one that you brought to the table as well that you yes. enjoyed. Um, I love Doctor Strange anyway, but um, this is kind of the ultimate in where they've taken Doctor Strange lately, that whenever you use magic, there is a cost. Um, they 
this is a relatively new sort of um, piece of the Doctor Strange sort of walk. For a long time, you could cast spells and didn't seem to be anything. But now, every time you cast a spell, um, there's a price to pay. And um, in this particular instance, after the, uh, the Secret, Secret Empire. Empire stuff, Las Vegas was destroyed. Doctor Strange is eager now that he's got a power boost from his book, and you'll have to go over to his book to figure that out. He has gotten a power boost and gotten most of his power back. He wants to use that to do something really meaningful, so he's going to raise Las Vegas using magic. But there is a catch. Something else comes along, and you will have to read it to find out what that is. In this little mini-series here, uh, written by the new Doctor Strange uh, series writer Donnie Cates, but this is joined by a co-writer, someone we haven't seen since Secret Empire, Nick Spencer, the man behind Captain America titles for the last couple of years and the Secret Empire book that ruined all of our childhoods. Um, <laughs> he, it's interesting to see that this is his, you know, bring, going back to a Secret Empire-related story. So that's what kind of got my attention a little more, too, is the, to see his influence further on the Marvel Universe. So. And it looks like, just so, so people know too, it looks like from both the end of this book and, um, and some of the advertising coming out about the next issue that this is going to involve more than Doctor Strange. Others will be here to help out with the grand faux pas that Doctor Strange has just made. <laughs> uh, we'll move over to Vertigo. It has a brand new number one called Deathbed. Number one of six, I believe, they're doing. Uh, this is a new uh, mini-series here, written by Joshua Williamson, who's been writing the Flash uh, Rebirth titles, and art by Riley Rosmo. This is one I went into solely based on Joshua Williamson, the writer. I love what he's doing on Flash, so I'm like, hey, he's got his own creator, own book. I'm going to check it out. It is a story about the guy named Antonio Luna, Luna, who is apparently the greatest man who ever lived. It's an interesting story that actually focuses on this uh, girl, uh, Valentine or Valentina. She is this uh, basically a failed writer. She's had a passion for writing, but she's struggled with it. And uh, she is tasked saying, hey, here's this guy named Antonio who is uh, requesting you to write his life story. And she tries doing research on this guy, just being like, okay, I've never heard of this you know, greatest man ever, blah, blah, blah. And she can't find a single thing about him. So the story is about her learning who this mysterious man is. And it has the twists and turns that you wouldn't ever see coming. It's such a unique, original premise of a book. Uh, once again, the title being Deathbed. So just with that setup is like, what's that all even mean? That makes even more sense as you go in. It's just a really wacky, brilliant over-the-top title. Uh, very mature audiences, so I'm throwing that out there as well. So, uh, But yeah, it, uh, if Joshua Williamson does more, create her own series of just kind of letting loose like this, uh, this issue number one pretty much got me to check out everything that's coming from this creative team. But Deathbed number one from Vertigo Comics. And we'll move over to what you have there. Sure. So this week um, I picked up a title called Monstro Mechanica by Aftershock. Writers are Paul Aller, Chris Evanhuis, and Sean Leisures. Sorry, Sean, I 
completely said your name wrong. <laughs> uh, anyway, the premise is it is the Italian Renaissance. We are in Italy, um, and Leonardo da Vinci is working for both the Vatican and the Medici's, and himself kind of a little bit. And he is inventing like crazy. He, um, you know, wants to do bigger and better things. But right now, he is making weapons and things for war and um, all kind of inventions that are going to be used for ill intent. And he has a lady apprentice, and together they have built an automaton. And they are going on some adventures and testing out this automaton. And it's working pretty good. But the kind of key sticking point between them is the apprentice, um, trying to find her name here really quick. Well, I don't know what it is at the moment, but I tell you what, if you read it, you can figure it out and come back and tell us. <laughs> that's a great, <laughs> that's a great uh, yeah. little teaser anyway, to find out who the characters are. Read the book. Yes. Yeah. But anyway. It's like, where's Waldo? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they have this automaton, and she's calling it he, refer referring to it, you know, as some human properties, because, you know, nothing, no one's ever seen anything like this before. It's pretty incredible. It can take instructions. It can run. It can fight. It can punch. It's there when you need it. So she's assigning him uh, human properties, but Da Vinci says, no, stop doing that. Don't call him he. It's an it. It's not a person. It's a machine. And she says, but he could be so much more. I mean, just limiting him to being something that we use to fight battles isn't right. And that's sort of, he's like, you know what? It's it's not right, but this is what we got to do. I've got, you know, we have the Vatican guards breeding down on me and the city guards, and we have the Medicis running all of their stuff. So just forget about it, like get this idea out of your head and reset him and wipe him with these new instructions. Does she do that? I'll find out when I read issue two and three and let you guys know. But until then, if you want to get ahead of me, check out Monstro Mechanica. I found it by scrolling through the previous catalog for like the third time and like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. I can't believe I didn't see it before. And it really was. So Excellent. Yeah. Good. I'm going to go with uh, The Brave and the Bold, a new number one from DC. They're restarting the title. This time it's with Batman and Wonder Woman. Uh, this issue I really enjoyed because one of my other interests is um, Celtic and Irish history. And it begins with one of the ancient um, Celtic deities... Lamenting the problems they are having in the land of fairy, Tirnanol. And they approach, or he approaches Wonder Woman to come and bring, come and help. And as he describes a problem, it appears that Batman is also independently being brought. And they're going to go to this land of fairy to help in the solve an issue that has happened whereas the king of the the dark fairies is killed and a young person is being accused of that crime yeah i really enjoyed the artwork in this book yes uh, very detailed the art is by um the writer artist is liam sharp and the colors are by i'm going to probably say this wrong but romulo romuleo fajardo and yes, yeah. it's very, very Celtic uh, work, scroll work and stuff around the corners and at least the, those scenes and yeah, kind of like a Celtic typeface in the, for the lettering. Yes. Yeah, cool. 
Uh, and then that one too, I think, is uh, limited. I think it's like six on that one too, a mini series. So I know sometimes people jumping into titles, being like, "All right, can I commit to an, issue, yes. another ongoing title?" But sometimes the draw of, "Hey, they have the story for a specific yeah. amount," rather than we're gonna just play it out till you know readership's gone and we get canceled or something. So that's always a nice draw for anyone jumping in. Something that you don't need any DC continuity uh, uh, history. Like if you haven't been reading Batman, you haven't been reading Wonder Woman, you can jump into a book like this if you just know the characters as right. is, so. The Brave and the Bold is a title that DC has used off and on for generations as a team-up book. Frequently it's been Batman or Superman, but it's been also other characters here and there as they needed. So I'm hoping that I'm that this Brave and the Bold may become a ongoing title, even if it's not with these characters. Yeah, I could definitely see that too, based on this, you know, and uh, if it's well-received and Limited stories, yeah. Yeah, and they've they've used um, the world's finest a lot in uh, Batman and Superman. So it might be that uh, choosing the brave and the bold um, for Batman with some other character, you know, seemed seemed like a better route to go. Um, yeah, brave and the bold. You you do think Batman? I mean, they they Batman, had the animated yeah. animated series brave and the bold, that was yeah. uh, <laughs> Batman the Brave and the Bold. So yeah, it also seems like. Lately, there's there's a lot going on in uh, DC with Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, you had uh, Wonder Wonder Woman in uh, in a couple issues of, of Batman recently, and um, you know, so they had the crossover between the Batman sixty six and the Wonder Woman seventy seven. So yeah, they definitely have been pairing them up as of late. So yeah, I enjoyed seeing this. Could there version. be a romance in the making. Who knows? <laughs> well, not if Catwoman has anything to say about it. <laughs> or Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with this, yeah. Uh, moving on to Infinity Countdown Prime number one. Uh, to me, anything Infinity Wars is fascinating. I, I've always loved the Infinity Wars stories. Um, we've had a couple in the Marvel Universe already. This is obviously priming us for another move. And this one was especially interesting for those who followed the Infinity Wars because we find out where the Infinity Stones are right now and who has them, um, other than one, which is still mysteriously out there somewhere, but we find out where five of them are. Um, and uh, we also find out that uh, there's more than Thanos out to get these Infinity Stones. There's a few people who are out on the trek to try to track them down. So um, that creates a new kind of twist in the Infinity War stuff. And just a little teaser here, one of those people who has the Infinity Stones is someone we talked about earlier. Someone who we've been wondering where he is in the Marvel Universe, and we find out he has an Infinity Stone. Well, you kept saying he, so it's not Voyager. <laughs> no. It's not Voyager. But she's had Infinity Stones all the oh, time. All the time, stories. anyway, as well. Now, Remind me, this this series is yes. uh, out of continuity, and the movie. No, no, this no, is, no, this, this is, is in continuity. There was some confusion yeah, this about is that. In the, this is in the Marvel comic universe. Okay. So this, if it's leading up to another Infinity War, this will be the third, I think. Yeah, that's particular. It's one of those convenient things where they got you know a movie with a related idea, and hey, we're going to have some similar comics. Yep. Um, use that as a jumping off point. 
You know, this one kicked off with Infinity Countdown, Adam Warlock, that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Now this is Prime, and it's going to go into Countdown 1 through 5. But then in between there, Infinity Countdown is going to cross over between a Captain Marvel number 1, Daredevil, Darkhawk, um, Champions is in there, Black Widow, all of these kind of one-shot uh, titles uh, to kick it off, and that's going to kind of... Another thing you're looking issues. at right there that's great about this issue yes. is it tells you all the Infinity Stones and what they do, which half the time right. I can't remember. And, and it's fine <laughs> that you can't remember because even though you've you've read a lot of the Infinity stuff over the years, um, it uh, I recently read they've made changes to the Infinity Stones and what their powers and their abilities are. Uh, supposedly they're they're different, now. but they're all yep. equal. Yeah. Yeah, so if anyone's jumping into this first time, you have the excitement of the movie, you're kind of wondering about this, and you don't have time to read, you know, 30 years of history of the Infinity Gauntlet and Wars and Crusade and all that stuff, the back of this particular issue basically (laughs) is an encyclopedia with original art from those series and the decades that they came from leading right up to, like, current events, so... Uh, real current events. And, uh, yeah, so Infinity Countdown Prime, this is the definitely... Uh, I grooved on it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I dug it a lot, too. So, All right, uh, another book that I... Oh, yeah, you want to do Defenders? Okay, Defenders. yeah, I have to slip out. So the other only other one I wanted to mention is the last issue of the Defenders. It was a six... It was geared as a six... Um, or a short series. It was ten. They went to ten. Um, I'm disappointed that they stopped it. I think this is a great team book. I think the idea of the Defenders since its inception has been really interesting. The greatest unteam team that's ever <laughs> existed. That's always been the concept by the defend about the Defenders, even with Doctor Strange starting the Defenders. Um, and this, I think, followed in that. This team that's not really a team becomes a team because something needs to be done. And um, this one focused... And what this particular Defenders set was about and the members of this team are Jessica Jones, um, Iron Fist, Power Man, and Daredevil. Um, They're the gritty sort of side of the Marvel Universe and I would like to see them get more play and I was a little disappointed that it only went 10 issues and now we're kind of out. Um, And I was, I don't know what to do with the ending because the ending was yeah. set up in such a way that it made it seem like we're not going back to the Defenders idea. And, soon. and a big part of that is that this is uh, Brian Michael Bendis' as he's doing his farewell issues for his stuff before moving from Marvel to DC. This was the last chapter of his Defenders uh, with David Marquez as the artist. And speaking of that ending, without going into any spoilers at all, is that, yeah, you do have that feeling like, hey, where's issue 11? And maybe we'll see that in a different iteration rather than, you know, this kind of completes his story run on there and hopefully we'll... Well, but the way that it ended, it leaves less room for a team like the Defenders, which is an unteamed sort of team. They kind of set it up in a way that's going to make it tougher to go back to that kind of concept unless you take the one series of the Defenders that they had that would still be allowed kind of by the ending they put in this one is the one where Doctor Strange used to pull out a deck of tarot cards and start flipping them over, and they would get every different heroes every time he needed a team. Right, and then he would put that yeah. team together, <laughs> that, and that was... That was the, it for the that Defenders. Thing. Whereas this is basically the, uh, the Netflix uh, TV yeah. show Defenders lineup. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, with that in mind, because of Netflix, you know, there's always um, there's always things going on in the comic books that reflect what they're doing on TV and what they're doing in the movies. And um, so, with with that in mind, and having uh, new seasons of uh, some of these characters on on Netflix, and uh, I'm sure at some point they it's not will. Over. Them up. Yeah. They probably just for that reason alone will probably go. Well, into they this did again open at, up the, at some point. They did open up the possibility of a new Heroes for Hire series, which I think would be really cool too. I liked Heroes for Hire. Yeah. yeah. Well, and these and these characters all have in, in the comic universe have their connections. Anyways, um, they're all friends. You know, uh, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones are, are married, have a yeah. kid together. <laughs> Uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist are like best friends. Together. So, well, and, and they, you know, this is the only tiny spot. They're at the end of this book. They are putting back together Heroes for Hire. So Luke Cage and um, Iron Fist are going to be somehow linked together. Even. Right, and and they've had connections to Daredevil before. Um, Iron Fist actually took the place of Daredevil <laughs> um, in uh, you know in in a run. Yeah. So. Um, so these characters have always been, you know, there have been connections to them. Uh, I just even when they're not a sad team. farewell <laughs> to the, this set of the defenders. <laughs> and as long as they all live in New York at the same time, there's nothing right. is always going to be forever yeah, gone. always possible. But like Anthony and Silver Surfer, sad to see him go. So, <laughs> so farewell to the defenders. For and now. farewell for now to Kurt Stanley. Yes. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Um, but yeah, and then, like I said too, like I think with the you know, Bendis leaving, that serves perfectly for a great trade or like a little mini omnibus thing being like, this is Brian Michael Bendis and uh, David Marquez's run on the Defenders rather than being, here's the first 10 issues and then, you know, someone else took over that I'm sure probably would have kept going if uh, Brian was staying with the company, but he made the decision to leave when his contract is up, so you know, just kind of ended at 10, but yeah, it does have that satisfying, like, that was a nice little run, but you definitely, like what Kurt's dad said, you definitely want more from these characters here. Um, another book I liked, and actually it was probably my main pick of the week, is Hit Girl Issue 1. Last week here at the club, I went into great detail about Kick-Ass returning, kind of gave a little history lesson on that, kind of catching you up to speed, and how when Kick-Ass came back, it was a new person in the suit after, you know, 10 or so years after the, the original book had started, um, and it was a very big surprise seeing, you know, a, the same concept and the same kind of grittiness and the language and same tone of the book but a completely different character's viewpoint leading into becoming the superhero. And and of course then we talked about the up this this issue coming up and at that point you weren't sure who the character was going to be if it was going to be like Kickass where you're getting a new uh a new character with the old name or if this is going to be the original Hit Girl returning in a new series. And the only thing that uh, you knew going into it was Hit Girl in Columbia. So you kind of figure, oh, maybe this is someone inspired by her in Columbia taking over her idea and mask and all that kind of stuff. The Chinese Superman. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but since we are talking about this, and the non-spoiler setup is uh, that this is Mindy, who is from the original Kick-Ass series. As you see her... Uh, trying to exist 
in a life without a sidekick as uh, once again keeping it spoiler free for the old kick-ass series um the old kick-ass is not currently kick-ass and she was kind of feeling uh, lonely in the sense that you know she was missing a sidekick even though she is kind of what would seem like the cookie cutter sidekick um to you know like a male hero in that kind of setup but if you've ever read the books it was clear that Mindy was she way was, better she than She was the competent was, yeah. uh, vigilante. Dave, a.k.a. Kick-Ass, was the one who was fumbling around, but she misses that. And you do see some Kick-Ass references in this book, but the main book is about her approaching a guy who has been sentenced like... like uh, it's early on in here, uh, the, the number of uh, life sentences here is pretty crazy. Um... He, uh, there's a guy in this book that is, uh, 10 life sentences that this guy for over a hundred murders that this guy has done. So that's how the book opens up with this new villain character. And it's very interesting how Hit Girl, uh, comes into the story related to this news here. And it was a, a crazy awesome adventure. I was actually very happy to see that it was Mindy because, uh, continuation of her story and seeing the emotional turn her life has taken as she's kind of went out on her own in Columbia of all places so uh definitely uh, a great start to that the book was so good that I had to pre-order uh, three different covers because it's hit girl and she's awesome so it's also nice for readers of the original kick-ass because now you got this uh new kick-ass that's really in name and costume only um that, that you still have ties to the original um, series. Yeah, it all exists in the same universe, continuation, but just from different points of view. Anything else for this? Just a question, yeah. is this Hit Girl 10 years ahead, in, so it's at it, the same well, time as the new Kick-Ass? In, in the story-wise, uh, when I say 10 years, uh, like the series kicked off in our time like 10 years ago. So in this life... It is still very much uh, probably within like a year or two of the original series ending. So she's still, while she's like maybe 10 years old in the original so series, so she's up. still hit my girl. Yeah, she's still hit girl. So you can kind of see that if she is a little grown, it's not like 10 years later and here she is as a, you know, like a young and adult or anything. Woman. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, with the relation of the kick ass thing, uh, I'll say this it has yet to deal directly with stuff that we've seen in the last week's kick-ass book but uh, yeah but it touches on kick-ass of the past i think that'll wrap it up for the non-spoilers and now the news Welcome to the news section here. Uh, something I was very excited slash sad to see, but then it has another slash happy ending. Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic book, since the show wrapped up at season seven, um, Dark Horse has taken it on with the cooperation of Joss Whedon as an executive producer, uh, and he wrote the original storyline, but seasons eight through 11, 11 just wrapped up last year. They've been continuing on with the Buffy characters in canon. Um, absolutely love those series. If you're a fan of the TV show, the characters are treated uh, pretty well. As you see, they're being guided by Joss, and he's approving these writers and artists uh, and the overall storylines. But we've gotten, uh, over the years, we've gotten, like the first uh, season eight of Buffy comics was like 
40 issues, I think, and it was over the course of a couple years. And then the next one was kind of shortened because then they spun off and did some Angel uh, and Faith series. And then, you know, they're kind of intertwined with each other, but they each got like 20 issues apiece. So you're still getting the same kind of amount of stories. But as the series goes on, um, you're always kind of wondering, okay, how long are they going to do this? You know, Buffy is a show that started in 97. Um, you know, are you going to get to season 30? And it just sounds ridiculous in that sense of like, you know, it's still going on. <laughs> well, they announced that upcoming in June, uh, the, the pre-orders will be available in a month or two, that Buffy the Vampire Slayer season 12 will be brought back with Joss Whedon as a co-writer. He has not been with the series since uh 2012 maybe you know when he got the job with the avengers and maybe even before that since he physically wrote some of the stories outside of just overlooking it so he's coming back to the series but apparently it's only a four issue season instead of a 40 issue season and uh, it seems like a lot of the big players from the buffy and angel universe are brought together in this final four issues but they said, even though it's the final season of Buffy in the comics, it is not the end of Buffy in the comics. They're dropping the season format, and they're going to continue on with like miniseries. So they've done a Spike one, a Willow one back in the days. Uh, Giles is coming up in a week or two in release here. Um, so I was sad to see like Buffy, the final season. I'm like, no, you know, this show's like, you know, disappearing from my grasp here as it celebrates its 21st anniversary soon. Uh, but then they announced, nope, they're not leaving. We're just dropping the, the subtitle of it all. And uh, so I'm curious to see what's going to happen beyond that. But I'm excited to see that uh, Joss, who co-wrote the Giles series, and then now season 12. So if you're a Buffy fan and you feared that the final season news came at you hard and quick, uh, fear not because Buffy's not ending. Well, uh, maybe Joss has a little bit more time now yes. since he's <laughs> dropped uh, Batgirl. Yeah, uh, Joss isn't doing the Batgirl movie, which... Uh, or can... he said because he didn't have a story for it. Maybe it's because he was concentrating on Buffy. That's a possibility, too. There's a couple different uh, viewpoints you can take on that. Um, his statement that he gave was that after a couple months of sitting with it, he realized that he didn't actually have a story for Batgirl. And he said, oh, what's the sexy word for failing? He basically said he failed uh, the idea of you know bringing this character to the screen. Now, there could be a couple different opinions on that. One side could be, well, you're Joss Whedon. You've done these, you know, uh, many different storytelling on TV and, and in movies, uh, especially around uh, female-centric heroes. It seems weird that he wouldn't have a Batgirl story, especially in a DCU universe where she hasn't been introduced that he could kind of spearhead that. Right, and, and I've also seen comments on there, you know, kind of the, to the effect of, with all the great Batgirl stories that have been in the comics, he can't come up with a story, you know. And then the other side of that could be, well, maybe that's his polite way of kind of backing out. Uh, he was brought in for Batgirl, and once he was doing that, and then the whole Zack Snyder unfortunate news happened with his family, and Joss was brought in to finish up the Justice League, which, uh, you know, wasn't received well critically and box office-wise. Um... And it kind of seems that, okay, maybe this was his way of just politely backing off and just being like, you know what, it's kind of a, you know, directors dropping in and out of all these DC movies that here's just another one. And then another viewpoint is the fact that, 
Well, this could open it up that, uh, you know, with the success of Wonder Woman and Patty Jenkins being the director of that, that maybe Batgirl should be directed by a woman. And some of those uh, ideas have been kind of thrown around, too, that, you know, maybe that was part of it as well. And maybe DC Creative is kind of just wants to go in that direction. And there's just been some backlash, whether Justice League was his fault or Zack's fault or both of their faults. Right. There's a lot of people that are just crying to to see the, the Zack Snyder cut, um, which I don't think that there will be a complete cut because, you know, it turns out they're, they're reporting he, that he was actually gone before fired he was gone. <laughs> from it before the, uh, the, the other issues. Um, so, you know, I don't think that there was enough of it that you'll ever see just the, the Zack Snyder cut. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of mixed reviews, um, on, on that whole thing. Um, a lot of people didn't like the blending and the way it was done, and nobody really knows which parts were Zack Snyder and which parts were Joss Whedon. There's a couple parts that you know, um, but some of them you just suspect based on the tone of it. But was it Zack Snyder trying to light things up a little bit because there have been so many criticisms about the darkness of, of it? Um, or was it just, you know, he was still being Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon was being Joss Whedon and those two were just oil and water. And it all comes down to vision between, you know, studios and the directors and the producers and everybody doing that in comparison for those that maybe don't follow like box office numbers. In just four days of the Black Panther movie, it already surpassed the entire theatrical run of what Justice League did. The opening weekend, Justice League did around like $92 million and Black Panther did over twice as much as that. So when you take, and it's it's awesome and sad at the same time, this fact that you have, you know, your Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman team up, you know, Flash and Cyborg and Aquaman and all that, and, you know, the, the epicness of what those movies should be, and then it uh, fails like that when you have different, like, direction, but... Uh, so maybe with Joss leaving this, that, you know, maybe this will be a good thing for Batgirl. They can just kind of, you know, find a, a different voice. And one of those voices, which I got very excited, one of my questions was, how come they can't find a Batgirl story to do? And why not get one from uh, writer Gail Simone of DC Comics? She threw her hat in the ring and just being like, well, I've written Batgirl, a very legendary Batgirl. And... Movies and uh, comics haven't really blended on the creative side. They'll bring some people in to consult, but traditionally you don't see a comic writer writing a comic book movie. Um, you know, Joss Whedon is one of the examples that was brought in for the Avengers that wrote like X-Men comics and things like that. Um, Jeff Johns has done, you know, some, I don't know if he's got some writing credits in there, but comes from the comic world working with movies. But it's normally a, a blend that you don't see and maybe... It's something that should be corrected, and it could start with Gail Simone just being here as a, you know, her job as a comic book writer. Why not have her write a comic book movie for a movie director? To... And, and maybe that's what they need. Uh, with, with DC's track record, you know, clearly there's something different that they need to try. And, you know, that, that might just end up being the thing that it needed. But, yeah, I've heard several comments that, you know, about... They're just two different animals. It's comic writing and screenwriting are so different. And you mentioned Jeff Johns and that somebody brought up that when it comes to screenwriting, he knows his place. He's there to 
contribute to the story, but not to write the script. Yeah, yeah. And he feels, you know, that's his place there. He's there as spiritually to direct it, but not to write it. And, and of course, some people who have done both, um, you know, start have started. Uh, you see it a lot more often where you get somebody from, you know, TV and movies and that background jumping over to comic books. Um, Joss Whedon, you know, um, Kevin Smith. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Um, you know, they made the transition over to comics, um, and that that's a lot more common than seeing somebody who's gone from from the comics and transitioned over to film. Yeah, over 15 years ago when they were developing a, a Superman movie that uh, um, Kevin Smith was approached to write and direct. And when he it was brought to him, and he was just like, it's like, why do you have me like writing a Superman movie? He's like, why don't you go to DC? And he pitched, he got a job of the lifetime, and his first instinct was, why don't you have the guys over at DC Comics write the Superman movie? And they're like, oh, well, they're just comics people. And that's the way it's always been treated, and uh, yeah. But once I saw Gail Simone kind of perk up there, then uh, um, I'm all in her camp of uh, doing that. So yeah. He's done good background stories. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard some some things about the differences and everything. And at the same time, some comics um, are written very um, film-like, where it's almost like you read the comic almost as though you're watching a film. And there are comics that, you know, some of them would probably transition very well very easily to film because of the way that they're they're laid out and written so i it probably really depends on the writer and joss whedon and john cassidy's astonishing x-men from 2004 one of the big critical reviews of that was that it felt very cinematic and yeah that was getting that television movie writer into the comic world and you saw it on the comic page and then you saw it on the big screen with the avengers and everything so but uh, maybe the maybe Batgirl needs a fresh start, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Just like probably right. Just like uh, say the Marvel universe. Yeah, that's a great segue. So yeah, Marvel uh, comics uh, coming out in the new previews, which will be this coming Wednesday um, at the time of this recording. We are getting the the previews for the releases in May, and Marvel recently uh, hired a new editor in chief. Uh, C.B. Sobolski, who is kind of brought in, uh, you know, a couple months into this uh, Marvel legacy that kicked off in uh, October, November, and uh, we're getting a fresh start. Um, things like legacy numbering um, is a big battle on what's happening with that. Yeah, um, e- even now, I, there was so much initially put out that it's really difficult to sift through all the details and find out what is fact and what is. Uh, not, um, you know, initially things, you know, the impression that people were getting right from the very start was, oh, they're doing a reboot. Um, and that was quickly, um, you know, shot down, shot down. No, that's not a reboot. Well, and with a name like fresh start, you know, that would make sense. You know, fresh start. It's like, yeah, starting over. Um, but it's not really a fresh start. Basically, even though, um, the legacy thing hasn't really been going on that long, but Marvel has already decided that it's not working. Um, you know, and I, I think that's a little bit premature um, at, at this point because some of the things that they've put into place uh, haven't even really gotten going. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're saying, no, legacy hasn't worked. 
So they're moving on, and probably it does have to do with this new editor-in-chief. Um, but they're, they're doing what they're calling the fresh start. Um, it's being compared to Marvel Now. Yeah, it's basically a rephrasing of Marvel Now and all new Marvel Now and Marvel Now. And, now and, all and basically what Marvel had been doing about every year or so where they were slapping a new label on it. And a lot of people thought that that was a, a, one of the issues with Marvel was that they were doing that. So Legacy was supposed to fix some of these issues. Um, and now they're fixing Legacy by going back to, to that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. In my, my opinion, would be that it's um, a mistake. I don't think it's something that they should be doing right now, at least. Um I think if uh, Legacy wasn't working, then they start making little adjustments, not, you know, reinventing the wheel. But uh, but that's what they're choosing to do. So then some of the other information was they're going to get rid of the Legacy numbering, which they just brought back, and people are just getting used to it. And then they were putting out that, um, well, no, they're not getting rid of the Legacy uh, numbering that, That'll you know a number of their books will have dual numbering, meaning they will go back to the pre-legacy numbering, but they will also have the legacy number on it. Now, I thought that was a good idea, and I'd mentioned that not not on this the podcast, but uh, just talking to people at the store when they did the legacy numbering. That back uh, sometime in the nineties, um, I think it was actually after Heroes Reborn or something, some sometime after that, that Marvel had. Um, you know, they had restarted some of these books, and so they kind of went to a legacy numbering where they had that volume numbers um, numbering, but then beneath it they would list the legacy type number where it would, where you'd have, okay, this is issue 21 of this volume, but of the whole thing, it's, you know, maybe 323. Um, and that was, that was nice. You had both sets. Uh, the prominent number was the current volume number, but you also had that legacy number. So you'd know where that volume fit into the ongoing story. Um, and so that was a nice thing. So if they're going to go back and they're going to start things over, um, for that reason, I'd like to see the legacy numbering stick because long-time uh, readers, collectors, they know where the stuff fits in. It's really difficult... Um, even now going through back issues and stuff, we get stuff in and we get a look and go, okay, which volume is this? They happen around the same time um, and you're trying to figure out which one came first. Um, and the legacy numbering fixes that. So it, it would actually be nice if they continued that. Um, not all of the books are going to have that. Not all of them are reverting. There are a couple books and I think we are going to see more. Um, but at least for starters, they're going to have a couple brand new books. Coming off the heels of uh, Avengers No Surrender, we are going to have one and only one Avengers book. And it will be a new Avengers number one with a new team lineup. Um, so we are not going to have Uncanny Avengers or U.S. Avengers or Mighty Avengers or New Avengers or Secret Avengers or Occupy. any of those Avengers. <laughs> we will just have for, you know, a month or two until they change it. Uh, one <laughs> Avengers book. Summer Avengers, coming this summer. Yes. Um, but delayed to winter. 
The only other book uh, that I'm aware of so far that they've announced a, a new number one is Venom. Uh, Venom is one of the newer books that just has recently started with a number one, and they're going back to doing a number one with it. Uh, and why they've picked Venom to do that, I don't know. Um, they're doing a lot of uh, shakeups uh, with creative teams. They're going to do um, a lot of the team books. Will like Avengers are going to have uh, restructuring um, different team members. Uh, the new Avengers team will be the big three. It'll be the Steve Rogers, Captain America, Thor, like the Thor, Thor. Um, and the Tony Stark Iron Man. It will also have She-Hulk, Black Panther. Um, trying to think here because there's some like who have movies and stuff. Voyager. Uh, and Hopefully, I, you know I don't recall seeing Voyager as one of those members. Now she's getting seven different books for herself. So, but she was uh, in Avengers number one. We gotta keep it for continuity. I know, right? right? Yeah. It makes sense. So. Um, yeah, I think there's a couple others, and I can't can't remember the whole team lineup uh, off the top of my head, but um, I think we're going to see some some other changes probably on some of the other books. Right now, I don't think that there's any plans for just one X Men book. We keep talking about how they keep adding to them, uh, so a little cons consolidation wouldn't be too bad there. But um, but like that seems to be you know right now they're talking about continuing of course those books don't have legacy numbering anyway um and uh so we'll we'll see i think there's still some changes to be announced but the big thing is um they're going to change some creative teams there will be some books that will be starting over with with zero some books will continue with a legacy numbering and some won't and that's what marvel now was was just changing up writers and artist teams and that's what's going on this time. They're just not calling it that because they've called yeah. it that several times. So fresh start probably isn't the most accurate. Uh, one one cool thing I'll mention when you're talking about the Avengers, though, uh, from a writer's aspect, the guy who's been writing Thor for the last like five to eight years, Jason Aaron, he is writing the Avengers title, and that's a pretty cool name to have on there. He seems like someone that's kind of like just can slowly working his way up and I could see him doing a, you know, an event in the near future, you know, something that he orchestrates, you know, if Marvel's doing events, I'm not sure if fresh events or what they're going to be doing now. Although but if he's been writing Thor, he's one of the people that destroyed the Marvel universe by true. making a female Thor. But now he's bringing it back with a um, guy Thor. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah. okay. But anyway, yeah, it's clearly a, a move to fix the Marvel universe. My piece when it comes to it is that, you know, I buy mostly Marvel comics. I buy, I'm very writer-based and character-based, and there's a few artists out there that I'll follow a story. But uh, based on that, like, while the numbering can get confusing, like, storyline and character continuity, all that stuff continues to stay. They don't just, you know, each time we had a new number one or something, it wasn't just like, oh, here's the brand new origin or something like that. It just was a renumbering to get people, you know, to figure out when to start reading to kind of get the newcomers in. And uh, so when it comes to whatever numbers they put on the book, I'm following the people who are writing it and the characters that I love. And so so if they add, you know, 50 Silver Surfer books, fine, I'll buy them. So <laughs> just throwing it out there. But yeah, so while you have a fresh start over there... Um, uh, well, um, 
you know, and probably uh, partially because of the changes in Marvel, you're getting some of these writers like Bendis going over to DC. And so along with changes in Marvel, there are changes in DC. So that's the next part of our news is uh, DC's changes. We don't know a lot about DC's changes right now because you get the impression that there's going to be more. But there have been some uh, cancellations recently, and I don't have the notes on here, here so um, I'm going to try and remember what some of these changes are. Um, cancellations. Super Sons. Um, Super Sons in particular has been said that it's not uh, a low readership deal, that there's some bigger plan in place there. So uh, Super Sons is, is ending. Um, one of the comments I read over since you told me about that was that um, because DC is starting a couple of new young reader imprints, Super Sons may be one of those titles that might move over there. Which would make sense. Um, yeah, certainly a, a possibility. Um, Supergirl. Boo. As in the cancellation. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you liked her. Uh, That's yeah. why I'm booing the cancellation. Yeah, he's booing the cancellation. Uh, Supergirl, and that was something that is funny because they said, DC quietly cancels Supergirl, and then all it's all over the place. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and what the reasons are for that, I don't know if it was re low readership or if it plays into DC's uh, plans that they have or what you know what's behind that. Um, it's the surprising thing is because there is a TV series, you know, which a popular TV series going on right now for Supergirl, and typically even if the readership is a little bit low, if you've got a show going on you're going to have that book at the same time. And so, she hasn't been overused where she's had this uh, this little like mini-series that jumped in and out a couple months ago, but she just says the main series is not it's once a month rather than, oh, here's four new Supergirl books happening in the same month. So that surprised me too because there is only one. Well, at the very least, I would expect to see Supergirl show up regularly in a different book. Yeah, yeah. Um, much like they did, you know, where... He had this minor character, Killer Frost, but she starts being used in the Flash TV show. And so, you know, now we've got to throw her in a book, and they, they take her from being a villain to being a hero and put her on Justice League of America, which um, also sounds like uh, is, is something will be going on there. They are, they are going to have this Justice League crossover, and that's a part of the whole thing. Um, Justice League, no justice, right? It's kind of like Avengers, no surrender. Justice League, no justice will be, um, where they are taking, um, four titles, uh, Justice League, Justice League of America, Titans and Teen Titans, rolling it all into one, uh, weekly series. So every week we're going to have a, a Justice League, uh, no justice book. Or I forget how many issues. Sixteen, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll throw that out there. Sixteen. We'll just, it's a model. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it so. Um, but uh, so coming out of that, they're saying um, it sounds like there's a good possibility um, for it's almost a certainty that there will no longer be a Titans book, 
and it sounds like it's quite possible that there will also, at least for a while, be a no Teen Titans book. It sounds like they might kind of shift that around and come out with a new Teen Titans book with a different lineup um, sometime in the near future is, is how it sounds. Um, I think we're also going to see uh, major changes in the lineups of the Justice League books, whether or not there's continues to be two, because I thought that I'd saw something, and I'd have to go back and verify it, that Justice League of America might also be done. Um, so I'd have to check on that, but I thought I saw something with a cancellation on that as well. They are supposed to be done in April. Okay. Um, so kind of like Marvel's fresh start, um, you know, we're going to have the uh, Justice League No Justice, which will result in, uh, rather than a new Avengers number one, Possibly not a new Justice League number one, but a new Justice League consolidated team um, with a, a different lineup. So Which I, fits into what's been happening in the Justice League book currently anyways. Right. So it is possible um, that this new Justice League or new Teen Titans or whatever might see some of these, some of these characters. They might not have Super Sons, but they might have a Teen Titans that has uh, Robin and Superboy on it. Um... You might have Supergirl, say, in the Justice League or some sort of Titans book um, just to keep that, that going. So we don't know at this point what these changes are going to be, but we know that some of these books are canceled and that there will be um, changes on uh, some of the ones that remain. Um, that is goes aside with... Um, the changes like Bendis taking over the Superman books, um, which I've got to verify because it, there might not be anything to this unless anybody's checking on it. I seem to recall seeing something recently about possibly a new Superman no, number one like that might be starting over, which seems like a very Marvel thing to do. But um, I don't think they do it with action comics unless they decide that there's just not enough room on the covers to have four digits in the yeah, number. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but I had seen something indicating that there might, you know, that Superman might start over with the new number one. But that I'm not certain on. I do know that they are doing the uh, the mini uh, Man, Man of, Steel, of Steel, which will be much like uh, the John Byrne Man of Steel, where you kind of go over his his origin. Sounds like it's going to be kind of a a new origin thing. Uh, a lot of people have commented, "Well, we don't we don't need that. They just did Rebirth. They just did Superman Reborn." But they haven't really told the new consolidated origin, origin and background. So a lot of people are still questioning what is now canon and what is not canon. Uh, when you've merged the New 52 with pre-New 52 Superman. Um, so, so these are the changes that are going in. Of course, we will give updates as, as we get them on both Marvel and DC when it comes to all these ongoing changes. And some of those changes can be found uh, when they're available in the previews catalog. So this coming Wednesday, we have the previews coming out for May, uh, something that I'm always very excited to dive into. So if you're a customer here at Crimson Cull, come in on uh, Wednesday and uh, check out the previews catalog and start building your pull list of the favorite uh, 
series that you follow. When you follow a specific number of series, you uh, can qualify for a couple different tiers of discounts, and uh, that also ensures that the book that you want is ordered extra and set aside for you. So if you're not able to get in on a Wednesday and fear the book could sell out, um, that book can be reserved and... Uh, whenever uh, at your convenience to come back in and pick that up. So the previews come out, it's always a great way to uh, check out the new series, uh, old series that are recollected, collectibles and apparel and all the different kind of stuff like that. So, uh, and then I always invite all of the members here to uh, bring their list of some of the highlights from their previews list uh, for the following issues of this podcast and kind of talk about, hey, I saw this, you know, new series from so-and-so or whatever kind of catches your eye. I kind of go through the catalog in which I also present on Facebook as well um, with some of the images so you can kind of go through and see what's new. And that all starts with the previous catalog. Yep. And uh, while we're talking previous catalogs and pre-ordering things, um, uh, there's there been a little bit of discussion around the store uh, lately as far as how to put in those orders. Um, and we, we do it a couple different ways. The previews have forms on it that you can fill out. Um, that's how Katie submits hers. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim, you do the same yeah. thing. You fill out the form and the previews, hand, turn that in, and we add that to your pull list. Um, there are a couple other uh, ways to do it. Anthony, um, he puts his list together. Um, his is usually Doesn't a pretty lengthy one. Doesn't he just hand you the catalog and say, order <laughs> yeah, it? One of everything. Three of At least half of them. <laughs> One of um, everything, but three if it's Buffy. Uh, he he does his. He he'll organize it um, and put it by by company and then alphabetically, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, that works out great. And while we don't expect everybody to organize, I've got a lot of time. Quite so, so well, um, he submits his uh, in a message on Facebook to us, um, which doesn't have to be like a public comment or whatever you know the whole world doesn't need to know what you're reading unless you want to share that i should share it yeah you uh in in some ways you do yeah yeah um but yeah he'll just send uh our our uh, facebook page a private message and go here's my pull list for this month and uh you know from from the previews um which this recent one would be what april april yep um and uh, we've got a couple other people that will send us messages on Facebook saying, hey, please add this title to my pull list. Uh, that works out really well. Um, we have, well, I, I think only one customer that actually will send us an email because we have an email address. And he'll update us that way. Um, I think our preferred ones, the ones that work the best, are probably through Facebook or just turning in the form from the previews. Either works great if you can't make it in. And you uh, follow us or like us on Facebook. Uh, the Facebook messages actually works really well, also. Good, good. I think that will uh, probably wrap it up. If, if uh, nobody has anything else to add, uh, this entire time I've been Anthony. I'm still David. I'm Katie. And I'm Jim. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.
CrimsonCowl.com.